Hello and welcome to the Winging It Podcast, episode two, one week in Love D. So before we crack on with Love D, uh, thanks for comments on the first episode, more of a rallying call to get that inner traveller bursting out of you and maybe get some traction with some plans, some changes and some travel ideas for the future. Thanks for the downloads, thanks for the feedback. Um, you can catch the episode on all platforms and also my website. I pop it on there as well. And tune into the newsletters. Newsletters I'm doing twice a week, Tuesday and Fridays. Really random. No real order to them, just what I feel like writing about from my experiences the last sort of 10 years, I guess. So um, you can sign up there on the website too. Uh, looking forward to getting this one done today uh, because this might give you a bit of an insight into what life is like in Bangkok and at this hostel um, and as a traveller as well. Hopefully some ideas will come your way and also some things that are slightly controversial which you may want to avoid. So let's crack on. Where and what is Love D? Well, Love D is one of my favourite hostels in the world, if not the favourite. It is based in Bangkok. Um, the one I say that is off Silom Road. So Silom Road um, probably means nothing to many people, but a landmark there that may pique your interest is the Hangover Hotel. Um, it is where they filmed the Hangover film. Um, a great little place you can go to, and I'll come to that a bit later on. So the hostel is off Silom Road, um, down the street, and it is essentially a great hostel for backpackers and even arguably some older clientele so getting to Lubdi from the airport was pretty painless but Bangkok when you first land it's quite hard to describe it is hot there's a smell um, I can't really describe it um, it's busy it is constantly noisy and for me coming from I'd arguably say sleepy Norwich and a bit of London, a massive culture shock. So Love D was booked in by our agent at STA Travel. Uh, rest in peace. I'm sure they'll be back. Um, and we had no idea what to expect, but it blew our expectations, really. And when you arrive, you come in and you're greeted by the staff. And the staff are great there. They're quite a youngish crew, understand what the hostel's about, and they try and make your stay as comfortable as possible. And the rooms have great beds, great um, facilities. I think there's a cinema in the hostel. There's laundry, loads of bathrooms. Downstairs has a bar area, a communal area, um, some laptops and some computers. And back in that day, I did not travel with a smartphone or a laptop. So it's kind of, I don't describe this really, I kind of didn't really keep in contact with the outside world. I mean... People who knew I was going to travel and probably didn't have a clue where I was until I posted on Facebook. And that was quite rarely because I re relied on hostels to have those facilities. So when you come to the hostel, a great vibe, very relaxed. And I can't deny it, a bit of a party vibe, which we'll come to in a bit. This was recommended by our agent, STA, as I said before. And she said she had a great time there. I think she stayed there two or three nights. Um, but we had no clue where to stay in Bangkok. So we went, went with it. Um, we arrived and we stayed for seven nights. Across the 
road is a calf, and this local lady runs this very quaint but like rustic calf, and she does pad thai. I think she specialises in, in some duck dishes if you're into that sort of thing. But the one thing she knows, and it's quite clever, is backpackers when they're hungover and they wake up late and it's like lunchtime, 12, she will bring pad thai to the hostel. So you can go over, order your pad thai, real local food, and then you can go back to the hostel, sit outside with a beer or water, whatever you're drinking, and then she'll just bring it over to you and then you take it back. And she'd done this for years. Um, so that was a great source of local food on doorstep and people were loving it absolutely loving it when i first arrived into bangkok into the lob d bit of a nightmare my shower gel burst in my bag now water probably get away with it even any other liquid shower gel sticky all over my clothes all over my bag absolute mare trying to clean it out and that was just one of the first things that we well, that I had to deal with when I arrived. But um, you crack on, you get your stuff unpacked, um, try and recover from that. So when we arrive, we are probably arriving about 5, 6 p.m. and we're pretty jet-lagged from flying from London. So nothing big planned on the first day. Got in, got sorted, got checked in, and we popped down Silom Road off to a market, and it's just off, the, off this road there, and it's a food market. And we thought, great local food get in there and no idea what to expect um tuk-tuks come up to you as you walk down trying to get some business you just have to ignore them and carry on and we had a green curry and it's probably one of the best dishes i had on that trip and that was like day one could believe what i was eating so really fresh chang in hand and i know about chang is it's not regulated so you can either get one or ten percent in your beer I'm sure that makes a very big difference in your night out. Anyway, crack on for that. Some food, bed early, up next day, first day exploring. So we knew that we want to go and see the reclining Buddha the first day. Um, and we knew how to get a public boat. The public boat on the main river in Bangkok um, has an orange flag. So you know this is not a scam boat. This is not a tourist boat, if you like. Local boat. All locals get on there to go to work, school, etc., but to get there, we we'll had to walk down Silom Road, probably 15, 20 minutes straight down to the waterfront. And we thought, Do you know what? We'll walk and just take in the sights. And then some geezer comes up in his tuk-tuk, says, oh, do you want to ride down to the river to get the boat? And we're like, oh, yeah, yeah, great, great. I can see what you're thinking already. So we pop in this tuk-tuk. And we know it's probably going to be five, ten minutes at most to get down there with traffic. 20 minutes goes by. Oh, Mike, who I'm traveling with at the time. I have no idea where we are. I've got a feeling we're not going to the public boat. And he's like, yeah, I know, I know. So we ride it out and then we arrive to the stop. And he goes, oh, we're here. And I was like, oh, is that the public boat? He goes, yeah, 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 I've got a public boat. He goes, well, it's a private boat. We're like, no, 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 no. We don't want a private boat. We want a public boat. He's like, no, this is better. Better money, better, better stuff for your money. Like, go here, go here. We're like, no, 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 we just want the public boat. And he started to get a bit agitated with us. And we obviously starting to get a bit annoyed and he started charging us for the tuk-tuk ride and then for the boat so the public boat cost 10 20 baht which is probably at the time 50p maybe 40p this guy wanted like a couple of quid and we're like (laughs) in the grand scheme of things it's not that a lot but the point here is that he was trying to scam us 
and we knew straight away. And the problem we had is we had no map, no phone, nothing to guide us. I mean, no idea where we were in Bangkok. So this guy was not really taking no for an answer. So the only thing we could do here, and we knew we were getting scammed at this point, and we kind of laughed about it at the time, give the guy some money, 50 baht, and just walk off, because what can you do? So we gave him 50 baht. He asked where we're going. We said, we don't really know. We're just going to walk off. And he started shouting at us. And then we kind of said, look, it's not what we want. Gave him some money, walked off. No idea where we were. So we had to go to this local shop, I think, and see where we were in Bangkok. And they kind of said, yeah, you're about an hour walk from the reclining Buddha. Oh, man, in the heat as well. So off we went on our, on our foots and uh, went to the reclining Buddha. And it probably took about an hour sweltering heat hot Bangkok but we got there and this amazing statue is this reclining Buddha is obviously on his elbow laying into the side and unbelievable view you can't really grasp how big that is so the reclining Buddha in Bangkok is definitely something to go and see so after the first day tick got scammed I think it's classic in Southeast Asia happens once or twice Um, but first day in got it ticked off back to the hostel for the first proper time for the first night, we actually met some people. And this section is going to be the people that we met. We probably, over the seven nights, met 12 to 15 people that we would consider keeping contact and see where we go on this journey around Southeast Asia. In Southeast Asia, you have two kind of routes. Bangkok, you can go east and go to Cambodia and then on to Vietnam, South Vietnam, and make your way up. And then across the Lao at the top, across to Chiang Mai, North Thailand, and then back down again, which is the route we took. But a lot of people stay in Thailand, go up to Chiang Mai, up to Pai and Chiang Rai, and then make their way across Lao into northern Vietnam and down the coast. So whatever way people go, you're going to bump into them at some point. And we did. We bumped into people in Malaysia, in Vietnam, and also in New Zealand um, by keeping in contact. So... The people we met were brilliant and we had so many good laughs and nights out that I'll come to in a bit. But Lubdi is definitely a place to meet people. So you grab a beer, you nip down the shop, down the local shop. You wouldn't buy a beer from Lubdi because they're quite extortionate. You go down to the local, uh, I guess, off-license, grab your Chang. And the bottles of Chang are not your small bottles you get here. They're kind of like a litre almost. Get your Chang. Take the risk with how much percentages are in the uh, in the alcohol content, and then yeah, you crack on. So at the front, people from Canada, New Zealand, Australia, UK as well, uh, South Korea, uh, Japan, all these people that we met at the front, having a laugh and getting a bit boozed up. So when you go to the hostel and you have your beers, you probably what three or four hours in. You've got kind of a choice where to go. And a lot of people would probably go to Kosan Road, um, which is a 24-hour party street. And I'll come to Kosan Road in more depth a bit later. So we would obviously decide where to go in the night and then crack on. But also we wanted to go and see some stuff during the day. So we didn't want to go too hard that night. Um, but we got a few trains down us, um, got used to the hostel and the vibe and the people. And that first night we actually made plans for the next day which was going to be the Grand Palace Day. I think there's about six or seven people that were going to come along. Grand Palace in Bangkok is, I think, where the king 
used to live up until the 1920s. And it's kind of still used um, for ceremonies and events up until now. And you can go and walk around the grounds and it's a great place um, to go and get some good photos and some bit of culture in there. Grand Palace Day was a super hot day and it required going on a public boat. So the first thing we did is to not make the same mistake again. Went to Salem Road, popped down the road, ignore all tuk-tuks because you don't want to get scammed again. So yeah, we, we kind of got down to the, the waterfront. Um, we got a little bit lost towards the end, but we found it in the end. And yeah, the orange flag, there it was. You just walk onto the boat and voila, you come to the Grand Palace. So I went with Mike, who I was traveling with at the time, and another Mike, who we met at, at the hostel, and a couple of Canadian girls who were doing the same thing that day as well. Alex and Steph. And then what we didn't realize is, and I'm obviously well known now, is that these sort of palaces and places you need to cover your knees. Classic, basic Brit. Brits, should I say. We went with the shorts and t-shirt. Um, not covering any of these. Um, sunburnt arms and all that. So we arrive off the boat. Uh, straight to the gates of the palace and this guy says you can't come in like, oh why is that he goes you need to cover your knees if you go and see my friend across the road he'll give you he'll sell you some yoga pants and you can come in we're like oh is this another scam dearie me so we took the risk because he won't let us in um I'm, I'm not even sure if he worked there he's probably the geezer's mate but what can you do went across the road and this guy is a potty about five foot five and he wasn't worrying about Mike who I was traveling with because he's <laughs> roughly the same height and my other friend Mike who we met on the trip was the same height as me but a bit thinner but when he saw me probably what 95 kilos big lad I am he's like oh I'm not sure I can find anything for you I've had to search for the for the back catalog so we tried all these all these ones he had because bear in mind Compared to me, a lot of Asian people are smaller, so trying to compensate for roughly a six-foot guy who's not the thinnest, probably got his work cut out, but he found a pair. It was a public, uh, sorry, it was a purple pair of pants, and purple is actually my favourite colour, so it was no problem for me. Tried them on, and he could not stop laughing, this guy. Uh, I don't know what it was, but he was looking at me in my purple pants and just could not stop laughing. Anyway, loved it. They fit really well. I kept them for like three or four years. Paid my 100 baht, 150 baht. And we're all sorted with these uh, trousers. So the moment of truth comes when you come into the gate again, is that guy going to let us in? And he just even, didn't even look at us, didn't even speak to us, walked straight in. So I'm not really sure of that as a scam, but I got some yoga pants for a couple of quid and yeah, fair play. Like that actually lasted a while. Walking around, sweltering heat. It really was a hot day. Um, but you can go and see some monuments that are made of gold. Um, you can walk around. It's a bit like um, Angkor Wat in a, in a sense, but in the confine of a ground. So you go and walk around, take some pictures. And yeah, that was the day. I don't really remember much to, to that other than that when we got back, it was so hot. I think I'd have a nap. But we cracked on with the trangs and then prepared for the next day of... Um, festivities should we say and this is where slightly controversial but at the time naive you just go along with it we agreed to go along to a tiger reserve which was two hours north of bangkok 
in my experience and in my research now, most places in Asia and definitely in Thailand probably drug their tigers or elephants, whatever you're going to see. And at the time, I was kind of aware of it, but I went along with it just to go and see what this place was about. Um, so we popped into Love D, and I think the two Canadian girls that we went with, me and Mike, they organised a taxi with someone they met during the day. This guy would charge us for the whole taxi, getting into the Tiger Reserve, which is about two hours north, tickets, and then bring us back. One problem that day is that even before, so after the Grand Palace, Fu Changs, for some reason, I went to 7-Eleven and went and bought a toasty. So a toasty was chicken and cheese, I think. Sometimes you just need a break from the rice. And unfortunately, I don't know if it's that or me adjusting to Bangkok, but I got the shits. So in the evening, I was struggling a little bit. Um, we were going to bed relatively early anyway to go up for the day because I think it was quite an early start. But I could not stop going to the toilet and I was like, oh, tomorrow morning... I hope I'm all right because it'll be a bit, bit embarrassing asking the driver to stop all the time while I need to go to drop some kids off. So I was like, okay, get a lot of water in me. I had no emodium. See how I am in the morning. Next morning, get up. It's still going on. Didn't tell Mike or the two Canadian girls, Steph and Alex. So I remember going just before we left and we popped in the taxi and the guy said, it's two hours, but it takes about 45 minutes to get out of Bangkok because of, the, because of the traffic. I was like, oh, I just need to hang on for 45 minutes. And 45 minutes was there and I was begging him to stop. But I didn't want to say anything. But what helped with the journey was this guy had a back catalogue of 90s pop band, boy band singles. I'm talking Backstreet Boys, Westlife, Boyzone, NSYNC. And it kind of passed the time away because we kind of created this a cappella group singing these cheesy classics and he was singing along. He absolutely loved it. Loved the journey up there. Um, and he kind of got a glimpse of me singing Backstreet's Back. All right. So a bit embarrassing, but hey, to get me through instead of thinking about what could happen, a bit of a godsend really. 45 minutes in, he's like, yep, we're going to stop. Petrol station, get some petrol, toilet break. Absolutely sprinted. Usain Bolt into the toilet. Could not wait to get rid of him. But I was like, oh, is this the end? Because I can't keep doing this when I'm at the, at the Tiger Reserve because you'd be out in the field, I guess, looking at the Tigers or doing the activities. So another hour and a half until we get there. Again, bursting, running. And I think that's the last time I did it. This one's not all about my shits. But I'm just getting, giving you an idea. Bangkok can give you that. A bit like Delhi Belly. Bangkok can give you a bit of a Bangkok belly. Anyway, Right at the Tiger Reserve, isn't that like that? Tiger Reserve, two hours back, uh, north of Bangkok. Right, first thing is this Australian geezer, his bald head, makes a speech to the whole group. There's a, oh, there's probably about 100 people there. He's claiming that these tigers have grown up with humans. They're not drugged. Uh, they play with humans because they've grown up with them. That's all they've known. And he kind of justified by saying over to the other side of the park was a wild area well, you obviously can't go into it, but you can go on this bridge, have a look in. And he said, you've got all animals in there, tigers, etc., And they're just running about in the wild and you can watch them. So they're natural. And the ones that we're seeing are, have been, like, I guess, groomed to be brought up with humans. 
So, okay, he's getting his get speech in. And the first thing you do is you line up. So in single file, you walk along, and then the tiger is like kind of standing there to your right. This thing's like what up to my height in terms of a hip. Maybe a bit maybe a bit bigger. This guy this thing's huge. Oh my god. He goes, oh, you can't touch anyone else but here, and it's like around his butt, I guess, like around the back. And he's like, touch it here, little stroke, nothing untoward, and you'll be fine. So like, okay. So we queue up. And I touch the tiger, and I'm like, I hope this tiger's alright. But taking that away for a second, I got to like touch a tiger, I'm like, where else do you get to do that? Um bit of a weird feeling. Um yeah, this beast was amazing. So moved on from the line. Next thing you can do is take a photo of it, you know, a classic photo where you lay down, the tiger's laying down with you and you get your hands on the tiger and get the photo. I didn't actually do that, I don't think. Um, I wasn't really interested in that because I kind of thought, I'm not here to kind of show myself with the tiger in terms of photo. But a lot of people did that and they seemed totally fine with it. Um, I guess it was quite, again, swearing day and they'd done it in the shade. So I guess they were pretty knackered from that. But one thing I did sign up for was feeding a tiger with a chicken. Not a live one, dead one. Um, this required me to hold a chicken in my hands and then tiger who's kind of on a leash sort of eats out of your hand. Now, great in theory. I was like, how's that going to work? Because he could just switch and eat me. But holding his chicken, so I got to it, holding his chicken, and it's almost like I'm not there. He is chomping away his chicken. It's good that he knows I'm not really there, but not great because how does he know when he gets to my fingers to stop? And I was like, I don't believe he's going to recognize my fingers and stop with these massive fangs and chop them off. So I kind of like got caught of the way there, half a chicken, and I'm starting to freak out. I'm like, how do I, how do I end this? And like people are watching me and it got to like three quarters and way too close to comfort. Fingernails are getting chopped off here. No, I just dropped it and he just obviously went down and ate the rest of the chicken but this tiger had no idea I was really there it's quite strange quite hard to describe or even imagine I guess but this tiger was huge like it's a proper grown tiger um, eating a chicken off my hand so that was quite an interesting experience uh, and then last thing we signed up to was playing with the tigers in the pool so on my Instagram story and on my um, just general feed I'm going to post some pictures from this week because it's probably better to try and imagine what I'm saying to, relating to a picture. So tomorrow, when I release the podcast, I will release where we were. And it's in this pool of water. And these tigers come and play with you. And the way you play with them is you get a stick and a carry bag at the end. And you rustle it in the air. And the, the idea is they see this, they love it. They run probably like five, ten metres, jump up and try and grab it. And the number one rule here is... Do not keep hold of the stick when they've actually got a bit of purchase on the grab because they'll drag you in. And first 10, 15 minutes didn't really grab my stick. They grabbed a few other people's. I was rustling it. And then to the left, just switched off for a moment. Imagine Messi coming from the right wing. And you're like, oh God, yeah, I didn't see him coming. And he's gone. This tiger comes running along, jumps up, grabs my stick and pulls me. I'm like, oh my God, he's got it. And the power, the sheer power was unbelievable. And he pulls my stick. 
So first bit of training I had at the start of the thing, released the stick and he pulled it away from me and he was playing with the stick and his carrier bag around my feet. And this happens probably for another 30 minutes. And it's weird because they don't know you're there almost. They're just playing amongst you. But they're playing with themselves so they could swipe and they can easily just catch you off guard or cut your leg or these are fully grown tigers. And I was like, I get a bit nervous here because they can just like swipe at my feet or I don't know, put us in. It was really weird. And I started to get a bit anxious about it and I started to get a bit annoyed and it's hot. Um, and it went on for 45 minutes, this thing. And I was done. I was like, wow, this is amazing, but not quite sure how this is really working. So off we'd done that. And then we went to the wild section, saw some wild tigers and other animals in there. And yeah, I kind of reflected on the way back on the taxi ride. Just couldn't really work out what happened there. But yeah, got to feed a chicken, got to touch one, got to play with one. We'll never do it again because I don't think it's very ethical. Uh, I'm sure there's some sanctuaries out there that have maybe got something good on the go. But I just cannot believe that a tiger would just not do anything unless it's drugged. But I could be wrong. So after that experience, kind of need to let off steam. We plan our night out on Kosan Road. So Kosan Road, 24-hour party street in Bangkok. The probably the most popular place for backpackers to stay. You can stay in hostels around the area. And on this street, you have anything available to you. And I'm talking anything. So off we go. Cocktails, changs. First thing I do, ate a scorpion. Pretty boozed up ate a scorpion and then I thought do you know what yeah tasted alright ate another one ate two scorpions in one night and I've done a similar thing in Vietnam when I ate a cricket the weird thing about these is they're kind of boiled alive I imagine so it's exactly as you see it as if it's live and the eyes just look at you as you eat it it's a bit weird um, it tasted not bad put a bit of protein going in there um, but again when you boost up you do anything right so that's my first experience and we went to a few clubs on the street and comes a bit controversial in a minute so we had a few nights out um in general but this night out we decided to go to a ping pong show afterwards so on the way to the ping pong show there's probably about 10 to 15 of us need two tuk-tuks so we get the tuk-tuks flag them down and we race we ask them to race each other we probably fit in six, seven people in a tuk-tuk. That's a pretty cramped um, tuk-tuk. And probably the weight was probably quite a lot, especially with me in it. But we offered the drivers, I think 50 baht each. I mean, it like, must have been about, what, four, five hundred baht? It's like 10 quid to the winner. And we they absolutely loving it. And these guys were pelting it down the highway. I'm talking like speeding the tuk as much as you can go. We're hanging on for dear life. Um, quite a good fun experience we're shouting out and you know people are watching us it's quite funny so that was a good experience and my tuk-tuk lost probably because of my weight so we arrive to this little bit of a seedy area no idea where we are in Bangkok and ping pong show again another controversial subject naively at the time whether you believe this or not I'm not sure what it is I generally think there's a table tennis involved. I'd be laughing at that. I generally thought something to do with that. Anyway, in we go. And you get your ticket, you get a drink. 
before anything kicks off or anything happens, not for the first time, I grabbed my drink, sat on the table, and probably misjudged my booziness slash the weight of the table. And as I sat down and everyone laid their drinks on the table, for some reason, didn't want to sit on the seat, what sit on the table. And the table just flipped and all the drinks go over me and all over the floor. And not for the first time I've done this in my career, um, I've ruined everyone's drinks. Luckily, the guys got us another one and we cracked on. So what did I see? If you're not sure, I wouldn't really Google it. But I can tell you what I experienced, and it's grim. No other words but grim for this. We quickly realise, and I'm not the only one in this group at this point, I must say, that there are ladies here that have probably been taken off the streets. And what they do is they're fully naked on a stage and things come out of their bottom half. These could be anything from darts. So they fire darts into balloons um, they do drawings on a piece of paper and they obviously have ping pongs, as in table tennis balls, coming out, um, knocking skittles over, all this stuff. And I could not believe what I was seeing. So grim. And I think third acting, we're like, what is this place? Why have we come here? Um, I think we need to leave. And one of the last things I saw is, this is really grim, I apologise, but the the guys obviously own it like the maintenance is the clearing the stage or wiping the stage clean. I'm like, what, what is going on here? And one of the first things is we saw is we actually felt sorry for the ladies. So we actually got some money together and we tried to catch a few of them just on the side at the, probably at the bar, um, hanging around, I think. And we gave some, we split the money and we gave some money to them. And the first thing that happened is as soon as that happened, those pimps that owned the club or the guys come straight over and took the money. And we're like, Oh, this place is grim. We need to get out of here. So quite early on, we called it at night and we like, no one want to leave. And they got a bit arsy with us and it got a little bit scary at one point where these guys were like, nope, you can't leave, what are you doing? And I think it took a few of us to go, no, we are leaving. And we had to like bundle everyone out. And I can't remember, I think we had to like maybe get some girls out first and then we went out last and no idea in Bangkok where we were, all pretty boozed up. So we have this tuk-tuk working outside and there's probably about 10 people at this point. I'm like, mate, we have no idea where we're staying. Can you take us back to Lovedy Hostel. And he's like, yeah, 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 yeah. It'll be 50 baht each, says 10 of us. Um, it's a bit of a trek, um, but come on, yeah, I'll take you back. And we're like, we've got no choice. So we pop on the tuk-tuk and it took roughly 30 seconds. Around the corner, there, bang. And we had to laugh because he absolutely made an absolute killing on that and done us all for a load of kippers. So yeah, fair play to the lad. Got 500, uh, 500 baht. Pretty decent night's trip. And that was that. That was the end of an interesting night. Um, some guys got a Macca's in at 5am. Fair play to the lads. So to finish off at Bangkok, we were having such a great time. We didn't want to leave, but we had to carry on with our Southeast Asia trip. And we're kind of giving that, ourselves a bit of a pep talk. Like, Mike, James, come on, let's go. Look, we're not just staying in Love D Hostel, getting boozed up every night. Let's go and see some more Asia. So... We brought ourselves together and we're like, right, okay. Seeing Reapers next in Cambodia. We're going to book a bus ticket and get something locked in so we actually leave this place because it's too addictive. So we booked that in and we, we agreed on the last night to go to that hangover hotel, which I mentioned earlier. And this is not 
this is basically the opposite of Kosan Road. You have to go a bit classier in terms of, of, of what you wear and it's Western prices. Um, but you go up to 63 floors and there's a deck which goes out. So if you're afraid of heights, not the best for you. I'm not. So I thought I'm up for this. Jazz band, cocktail bar. In we go for one drink and the view of Bangkok is absolutely unbelievable and I highly recommend going there for a drink. Um, you can't take any photos at the time. They wouldn't let us take photos. A bit strange, but um, well worth doing, especially on your last night. A bit of classiness there. As I say, that's on Ceylon Road, the Hangover Hotel. And that was the last night we sang goodbye to some people. So we had a great week. Um, we're going to plan to meet up with someone on the way. But yeah, that was the end of a great week. Pretty sad leaving, actually, even though it's like one week in of the six months traveling, but had to get out because we'd just stay there forever. So that is probably my week in Bangkok. I hope it explains that a few things to see, three things not to see, and the type of atmosphere and vibe you get there. Bangkok is a bit of a culture shock if you've not been to Asia, but I've been there recently, a couple of years ago, and it's way more westernised now. It's like actually going home. So I'm not sure if you'll get the same sort of thing. So to give you an example, tuk-tuk's not really a thing anymore because you've got Uber. Why try and barter with a tuk-tuk when Uber would just get you one place to another? I guess that's a bit of a dying art. So yeah, I would recommend going there and checking it out. To move on, or to conclude, should I say, I am going to put some photos up of the week on my Instagram and probably on my website, jamesharmon.org as well. And please get in touch if you've got any stories about Love D or your experiences in Bangkok. I would love to hear them or any more recommendations. So just to conclude, yeah, we saw the reclining Buddha, the Grand Palace. Um, we went to Kosan Road, went to a Tiger Reserve and also a ping pong show, which I don't recommend. Please keep rating the podcast i love that also a great a deal of um, downloads this week i really appreciate your support um hopefully it's entertaining enough and um, we've got some great episodes coming up with some guests so my next episode next week will be guest orientated don't want to give away too much um where we get some people's um experiences on record so i'm going to leave you with a quote and this is from anna quinlan who's an American novelist and columnist, who says, the life you have led doesn't need to be the only life you have. So after my running call last week, I, I sort of see my own life as in up to 2013. That was my, that's one period. So yeah, school, university, guitar, music, and it kind of shifted then. And now I'm on this phase from 2013 where I'm kind of doing that work and travel lifestyle. I'm not saying you have to quit your whole life and change something, but just a little change. Like you might have never been to Asia before and you want to get maybe a month in. And especially after COVID, when we've been working from home, you probably saved up a lot of money and or vacation time. It's a chance to go and explore somewhere, not just for a week. So Thailand, as an example, you can spend a great month in Thailand. You've got a couple of great cities, Bangkok, Chiang Mai, then you've got all the islands down the south, um, Koh Lanta, Koh Phi Phi on one side, Koh Phangan, Koh Tao on the other, and also you've got some smaller cities like Krabi and stuff like that to go and see. So if you think about a month, you can see a lot and you get a bit of in depth from somewhere, not just like nipping somewhere for a couple of days. So I feel like my seven days at Love D 
um, maybe experience Bangkok to the fullest. And I think I would go back, but I've seen quite a bit already. And the reason I've done this podcast to finish on is that Lubdi unfortunately is closed in Ceylon Road. They do have another location in CM Square. And they've got other locations in Asia, Southeast Asia and Philippines, Singapore, Cambodia, etc. So I had to make sure they actually closed. I actually messaged them directly on Facebook. Say, hey, have you guys closed? And they confirmed they have on Ceylon Road. So I felt like it was a goodbye to Ceylon Road. It was a great start to my travels. Met loads of great people. I want to say thank you for the experiences for those people. I'm still in contact with most of them. And happy travels when we can ever do that ever again, which is 2022. Have a great week. Stay safe. Take care. And happy traveling in your mind, but in the future, out in Asia. Ciao.